always enjoy sharing the word here at Higher Vision and also to our online campus. You know, we have people who are joining us from Washington, from Michigan, from New York, from uh, Johannesburg, London, Sweden, Jakarta, where else? Kansas, Kentucky, Mexico, Oregon, Berlin, India, Gotland, Amsterdam, Alabama, Kentucky, Denmark. What an amazing group of people. Thank you for joining us online today. And I, I also want to just give a shout out to our satellite campuses. We want to give a shout out to HV Blythe and HV Santa Paula and HV San Diego. And also a shout out to our Persian congregation and our Messianic Jewish congregation and our Korean American congregation. Can we just give a hand clap of appreciation to all of our communities of faith here at Higher Vision? Well, it's, it's an honor to be sharing the word with you today, as I said. And many of you know I enjoy sharing expository messages or exposing a passage of Scripture, letting it speak for itself, line upon line, precept upon precept. In fact, Pastor Jared will start an expository series next week. But you know, a few weeks ago, I shared a first-person narrative message as the Apostle Paul. Well, I'm not going to do that today, but I, I do want to share another narrative message with you. It's one of the greatest divine love stories that you can ever read about, and it's found in Hosea chapter 1. So I want to ask you to grab your source for Scripture, your Bibles, whatever you're using. Turn to Hosea chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. I've titled the message today, what do you do when you've married the wrong person? And I titled it that way because that's probably the way Hosea felt in this love story. Are you ready? Yes. Let's read together Hosea chapter 1, verse 2. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, Go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. So Hosea married Gomer. Let's pray today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your divine love, your transforming love. Lord, I, I just want to pray the words of the Apostle Paul as he prayed them over the Thessalonian church when he said, so being affectionately desirous of you, I was willing to impart not only the gospel of God only, but also my own soul because you were dear to us. And Lord, that's what I pray today, that the gospel of God will, will be presented today, but it will be presented with a passionate soul, with my whole heart, my mind, my soul, my strength to declare your greatness and your glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Well, the story begins to unfold as Hosea, who is a prophet to the nation of Israel, flies back from Mount Tabor. And as he's getting off the plane, I'm just bringing it into our current time, all right? As he gets off the plane, the awesome presence of God 
overwhelms him, and God begins to say, Hosea, I want to talk to you about the infidelity of my people. They've rejected me. They've abandoned me. They have slept in the beds of other gods. And I want to talk to you about my people because you remember that we were married. We entered a marriage covenant. I became their God and they became my people. And of course, as would be the case for many of us, I'm sure Hosea at this moment was thinking God's going to wipe the children of Israel off the face of the earth. But that's not what God continues to say. In fact, he tells Hosea, I want to save my people, not with weapons of warfare, but with the power of transforming love. What an amazing God. That even in the midst of his rejection and abandonment, because God was really sharing with us and Hosea that he felt like a jilted lover. He felt rejected and abandoned. But rather than bring judgment upon his people, he wanted to redeem them with transforming love. You know, sometimes I believe some people look at God through the, the jaded eyes of intolerance. As if God is just waiting in the wings to smite us with judgment. If we step over the line that he's there as this cosmic killjoy, just wanting to judge us and spank us and send us to our room for a timeout. I remember uh, spanking my son Garrett one time and all the way through the discipline I sobbed. I cried. Not because I delighted in the discipline but because I knew it was needful for my son to know what was right and what was wrong. And you see, that's the way God is sometimes in our lives. He's not standing in the wings anticipating with excitement the opportunity to chastise us or discipline us, but He loves us so much that sometimes He has to walk alongside and show us what's right and wrong. But in this particular case, God is expressing to Hosea, I want to teach my people that I love them. And of course, Hosea asked the question, what does this have to do with me? Why are you telling me this, God? Why, why am I involved in this process? And God says, because I'm going to make you a modern day movie to the world. You haven't experienced the height and the depth of my love, but I'm going to give you a small glimpse or a small taste of my love. And guess what, Hosea? You're going to get married. And of course, Hosea, I'm sure, was excited and started talking about, hey, I know just the person I was at the last crusade at Mount Tabor, and there was this wonderful young lady singing in the praise team. I know she will make a great wife. But God says, you know what, Hosea, I know she will make someone a great wife someday, but not you, because I've picked out someone else. And her name is Gomer. Oh, and by the way, she's a prostitute. Well, you can imagine all war begins to break out in the heart and the mind of Hosea. What are you talking about, God, marrying a prostitute? 
How can a prophet marry a prostitute? How can piety be connected to promiscuity? How can the sacred connect to the secular or righteousness to unrighteousness? God, I, this isn't going to work. I'm going to be criticized. Everyone in the whoop-de-doo brotherhood are going to cast me out. But God says, I, I want you to marry this prostitute. What I love about this story of divine love is God is so gracious in how he teaches us and how he helps us to understand who he is. Because really, Hosea was struggling not with obedience to God, but with his reputation. Sometimes God asks us to obey when we don't have a pre-flight itinerary and we don't know all the destinations. He asks us, can you trust me when you can't trace me? Can you follow me when you don't understand me? Can you run toward me rather than away from me? The first God lesson that we're going to learn today is this idea of run toward God. And I want you to notice, if you're taking notes, hopefully pull them out of your programs. If you're taking notes, great. If you're not taking notes, take notes. All right. So run toward God. Notice that it doesn't say run toward your spouse or run toward a family member or run toward a friend. Because so often in the crucibles of life, we end up running toward a third party for the solution. We almost develop this Messiah complex as if someone will become our Messiah and save us out of the chaos and the mess that we're in. A married person looks at a single person and thinks, I just wished that I could get out of this 360 degree circle of constantly being told what to do, what to say, how to dress, all the strings, all the expectations, all the adaptations. I wish that I could just go and do what I want to do, go where I want to go. I, you know, girls just want to have fun. Guys just want to have space. I just wished I could just find someone to get me out of this chaotic mess. Messiah complex. The single person looks at the married person and thinks, I just wished I had someone who would love me and support me. So tired of being lonely, of going from one weekend to the next. I'm so tired of, of playing house by myself and cooking by myself and doing laundry by myself and holding my pillow by myself. And I, I just wished I had someone who would love me and someone who would support me because really the grass always seems to be greener on the other side. But listen to this pastor today when I tell you that the real solution will not come in a third party. It won't come from the outside in. Sometimes you can fall into the idea of you're not looking for a man, you're looking for a Messiah. You're not looking for a, a, a wife, you're looking for a maid. 
You're not looking for a marriage companion. You're looking for a personal savior, someone to just help you to find you. But how can you be happy with your someone else when you're not happy with yourself? How can you build self-esteem when you don't have self-awareness? And you need a self-awareness that the only solution is not in a third party, but in the third party, the tripartite being of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who will save you, heal you, and deliver you from the inside out rather than the outside in. Gomer found that the hard way because now she's married to the prophet. (laughs) She's got a new wardrobe, a new hairstyle. She's attending church, stained glass everywhere, coming into town at a different time other than the prostitutes, just enjoying life. But here's the problem. Gomer has made a commitment to her husband and not to God. The commitment alone won't keep you. The commitment to God will keep you. And sometimes I believe in, in the church, and, and you know as well as I do, that just because people attend church doesn't mean they've made a commitment to God. Some people come because of a tradition or because of a liturgy or because of the stained glass windows, which we have none, or because of a commitment to their husband or their wife, but just because you're in a barn doesn't make you a donkey, and just because you're in a garage doesn't make you a car, and just because you stick your head in an oven doesn't make you a chocolate cake, and just because you come to church doesn't make you a Christian. You can come in a devil and leave a devil. You can come in as a good person and leave as a good person. What makes the difference is a commitment from the inside out when you personally make a commitment to Jesus Christ and it transforms your life. You run to God. What do you do when you've married the wrong person? You run to God. And the second God lesson that we learn is we ignore the critics because now what begins to happen in the life of Gomer is those who are in the church begin to remind her of her past. They begin to say, Gomer, we know where you came from and we know your past failures and we know that you used to be a prostitute and and because Gomer's commitment is not from the inside out but the outside in, she begins to struggle with this new way of life and begins to back toward the back door of the church. Jonathan Edwards, an 18th century uh, century revivalist, preached the sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Well, I believe we need to change the message in the church from sinners in the hands of an angry God to sinners in the hands of a loving God. Because God loves us. In fact, I... If you come to Higher Vision Church and you want to be on the Religious Rules Committee, would you please go somewhere else? Because we're not called to be the spiritual police. That's what the world thinks. The world sees us as holy home monitors 
trying to enforce the rules and the regulations of the kingdom. But where are the people in the church and people representing God who will share a different picture? Where are the Christ followers who are presenting a different picture to the world, who are declaring the world will know that we are Christians by the love that we have for one another? So, unfortunately, Gomer listens to the critics and she goes back to her old way of life. And Hosea has one of those I told you so moments. He flies back to Mount Tabor and can't you just see him? God, I told you so. I told you a prophet could not marry a prostitute. I told you, Lord, that I should have married that young woman in the praise team. God, I I told you that this wasn't going to work. But I love God because he always exposes the truth. The truth sets us free and he says to Hosea, Hosea, let me ask you a question. How do you feel about her? Oh God, you know, I, she rejected me, she abandoned me, and now all the people who held me in high esteem, they're criticizing. Hosea, ignore the critics. How do you feel about her? Well, God, you know, I, I was cast out of the whoop-de-doo club and now everybody's saying, that. Hosea, wait, wait, wait. How do you feel about her? Well, she was my biggest critic. She said things that wounded me and hurt me. Hosea, how do you feel about her? I still love her. And right here, we have one of the most propelling truths of the Bible and God's Word that we can ever experience. Because Hosea becomes the modern-day movie of God's divine love. And God says, Hosea, just as you still love your wife who has hurt you and abandoned you and ended up in the beds of other men, I still love my people. They've hurt me. They've rejected me. They've abandoned me. They've ended up in the beds of other gods. And I still love the unlovely. And that's really the third God lesson today that I want us to understand. I'll never forget going to a chapel service at Fresno Pacific University where I completed my undergraduate training and Brennan Manning, who is a great theologian, great writer, he wrote the book, The Signature of Jesus. In that chapel service was telling the story of Jonas Zook, who was an 82-year-old widower. Uh, An Amish, this was an Amish family living in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and he had four adult children in their 40s and 50s. 
and they all had Down syndrome. So when Brennan pulled up on the farm and he stepped out of the car, little Elam, who was about four foot tall and had this big burly beard and this Amish circular, circular Amish hat on, and when he saw Brennan, I mean, he didn't know Brennan from Adam. This was the first time that he had laid eyes on Brennan. He was about 50 yards away and he takes off running and he leaps into the arms of Brennan and wraps his legs around Brennan's stomach and gives him the biggest kiss on the lips that he could possibly give. <laughs> Brennan said, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. He said, so I just hugged him and tried to kiss him with as much enthusiasm as he was kissing me. He said, we spent about 30 minutes touring the farm and then we had lunch together. And when we were sitting down around the table, I was talking to the family and he said, I, I turned and inadvertently hit little Elam in the ribs. He began to sob like a two-year-old infant. And he got up out of his chair and he walked over and Brennan said, he, he got in my lap again, put his legs around my stomach and he gave me the most passionate kiss on the lips, even harder than before. And then he kissed my nose and then he kissed my cheeks and then he kissed my forehead. And he said, at that moment, I encountered the Abba experience. The power of God's transforming love. Because he was responding to me, not because of my response to him. He wasn't loving me because I was kind or unkind. I was nice or nasty. He was just loving me because. You see, God's love is not withheld because of an elbow to the ribs. The only way we learn God's divine love is when we're around the unlovely. When someone hurts us, when someone wounds us, when we're walking along someone who is different than us, they don't look like us or act like us, they're not in our religious orientation or our educational tower or our sphere of influence. We learn divine love when we're wounded and when we're hurt by the unlovely and we simply decide to encounter the Abba experience. If there's anyone who had the right to be angry, it was Hosea. If it was anyone who was wounded deeply, 
and should have held on to unforgiveness, it was Hosea. After all, now he was raising his three children by himself without the love of their mother. Now he was the one working two and three jobs. Now he was the one who was taking the kids to school and to soccer practice and to the concerts without their mother's presence. Now he was the one trying to make up the gap or build the bridge of love to his children because the mother was not there. The mother was absent. If anyone understood woundings and hurt and pain. It was Hosea. But what do you do when you marry the wrong person? You love the unlovely and you forgive the unlovely. So Hosea's out in the cornfield and someone comes and says, guess who's back in town? Gomer, your wife is back in town. She's at the slave auction. She's been stripped and she's naked and she's laying on the auction block. And the auctioneer is auctioning her off to the highest bidder. Now's your chance, Hosea. Now you can go to the auction block. And now you can say, I told you so. And you can mock her. And you can criticize her. And you can get back at her for all of the hurt that she's caused you. Now's your chance. So Hosea grabs his robe. And he heads to the auction block. And as he walks up to the auction block, the auctioneer has already started. The bidding 500 to the men, man with the red cap. And 600 to the woman with the scarf. And 700 to the man in the three-piece suit. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of the chaos, there is a prophetic voice that rings out and says, I'll give everything I've got for her. With silence, the auctioneer says, going once, going twice, sold to the prophet Hosea. And he walks up to the auction block and he takes off his robe and he covers her nakedness and he carries her home. Oh my God! Spiritually speaking, oh my God! I know we hear that term loosely all the time. I'll watch a design show with my wife and when they do the big great reveal and they walk through the house, you hear oh my God about 10 times. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. But when the power of God's transforming love reaches down at a moment in time, all you can say is, oh my God. Because forgiveness flows out of 
oh my God moments. This isn't a, a story that just happened with Hosea and Gomer. It started back at the beginning of time in the garden when Adam and Eve decided to divorce God and I became the prostitute. And I walked away from God and I prostituted myself on the streets of my own agenda. And I didn't deserve God's transforming love. I had rejected him and abandoned him and slept in the bed of other gods just like you had. We were the prostitutes that walked away from God. And yet in the moment when the grand auctioneer was auctioning us, us often Satan himself was bidding on our destiny and on our eternity. And there was chaos and confusion all around us. A prophetic voice rang out in the midst of the cosmos as Jesus the Christ said, I'll give everything I've got for him. walked up the hill and he clothed me in his clothes of love and righteousness and he took me to his eternal kingdom brought me into the kingdom of God not because I deserved it but because of his transforming love 